Welcome to the Live Life Out Loud Conversations. I'm your host, Nicole Long, owner and founder of Coaching for Life LLC and Coaching for Life Books. This is the podcast for all my multi-passionate creators and dreamers who are ready to tell their story and monetize their passions. We'll cover topics from A to Z in this podcast, all to help you, my multi-passionate friend, personify faith in action and really live your biggest dreams out loud. Let's do this. So excited to share today's Live Life Out Loud Conversations with author Elena. In this podcast, we'll talk about everything from authorship to love to marriage submission and so much more. Let's jump in so you can just listen to it now. So we're going to just jump in here real quick. If you would tell us your name, how you found out about the Beauty and Rhyme Mess, and why you decided to join us. Okay. Uh, I'm Elena Stifler, and I'm from Locust Grove, Virginia. And I heard about Beauty and My Mess because the first book that came out, Volume 1, uh, okay. a friend of mine, she was in the book, and I decided to buy it and see what it was all about. And when I read yeah. the stories, I fell in love with it. So that yeah. is why I decided to join Beauty and My Mess, uh, Volume 2. When you, when, when Volume 2 came out and we started talking about like, the theme around love, what came into your mind as you were like, love? Like, <laughs> I didn't necessarily know if I was going to do things, or, you know what I mean? So when it's like center around love, so for like, like I've even had a couple people who are just like, oh, it's love? Never mind. I'll do the next one. <laughs> so you tell me why you committed to love. <laughs> well, my first love uh, that I really targeted was on direct sales, being a direct seller. And then mm -hmm. I decided to rewrite and did a complete rewrite on the love of my husband and um, and how I learned how to become a submissive wife, submissive wife, mm. uh, biblically speaking. So yes, yeah. uh, that was. I mean, that's the core of it. We have to learn how to love our husbands, and when we learn how to love our husbands God's way, marriage yes. thrives. And yes. so, and I I struggled with that word submission for a really long time. Day, it was just so clear that I understood it. But if I tell you how I understood it, I'd give away the whole story. Yes, so we'll definitely have to read to figure out more. Yes. But I wonder if you, as a younger person, like kind of put yourself in, I don't know, your 20s, and you heard the word submission to your husband, what did that mean to you? Did you have a positive, you know, association with the word? What did you think? Well, I was actually divorced when I was in my 20s. So okay. for me, I didn't really understand the word submission at all. And I've always thought of submission as being subservient. And okay. so I really had to learn how to grasp it because I was divorced by the time I was 18. I was married young and divorced young. So when I did that, I had no idea what submission was. I heard the word, but mm -hmm. nobody really explained it, that how it was God's way. I was like, I'm not submissive to anything. <laughs> Let right. learn. If you want a subservient Anybody. wife, you've married the wrong girl, let me tell you. Right. <laughs> right, understood. And then do you, you your daughter is actually getting married in yes. October, you just mentioned. So have you kind of shared your insight to your point of views and also God's way of submission and what that looks like? Have you been able to kind of feel like you prepped her the foundation? Because you really don't know until you're in it. Right. But have you given her some... Well, you know, being a mom and having a 23-year-old that knows everything in the world, it's pretty yes. hard to tell them what to do. 
However, yes. we have modeled that behavior for many, many years in the house. And I've explained to my kids as they've been growing up what the difference is between loving your husband, being submissive to your husband, and why you want to do it. So she knows, and getting married, he's more submissive than she is. She is definitely a driver personality. <laughs> She's that dominant. But yeah. Uh, yeah. She, she will learn over time because in the throes of preparing for a wedding, she's really struggling with it, but has to learn how to do this because this is her first love. She's never had a boyfriend before, let alone a fiance. So she chose wisely. That's good, that's good. So what would you say, kind of going fresh into that take, one, and without giving too much away from your book and your story, what would you say are some of the highlights, the benefits, the things that are enticing to actually look deeper into submission as a wife and kind of the rewards we get? Because like, you know, we don't want to do something for nothing. So what would you say is your tangible rewards that you've seen proof in your own marriage that, you know, someone who's thinking about what does that actually mean? Why do I even need to look deeper into this? Okay. Um, well, the first thing is, is we've all heard happy wife, happy life. Okay, well, it's really happy husband, happy life. Mm -hmm. If you really put it down into a model, because when the husband's happy, the family's happy. Because when he mm -hmm. comes home from work every day and he is providing for his family, it is so important to show him how loved he is. And it mm -hmm. starts something as simple as greeting when he walks in the door. It's mm -hmm. very simple, saying hello. Don't mm -hmm. wait for him to say hello. Be the first one to say hello. Be waiting mm -hmm. for him to walk in that front door. Give him a hug, give him a kiss, and say, how was your day? Mm -hmm. Through my children, I have learned that my husband has that same type of personality of needing just a few minutes of just him time, of right. learning who he is, because he spent two hours on the road driving home. I've spent four minutes coming home, yeah. and all he wants is five minutes of my attention. And if I can give him five minutes of my attention, and mm -hmm. that's part of being a submissive a wife to him, mm -hmm. I'm willing to do that because it makes for a whole big difference in the night. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, absolutely. So would you say, and then we'll move on to another topic, that there's anything that, they can, that we, as even women, could put into practice in our single days, in our days where we're finding ourselves that would lead the transition into submissive to our husbands, even a better, smoother one? Absolutely. You can practice with family and friends, and it's just paying attention to them. Taking the time to actually listen to people and learning the trait on how to listen and mm -hmm. watching for those cues. When you see your friend or you see your parents or you see your neighbor, be the first one to say hello. And actually, don't wait to talk. Listen to find out how to carry on the conversation. And by doing that, you learn a whole different role of who you are and how to be submissive to people overall. God doesn't tell us to be submissive to everyone. If a man walks into my life and tells me, Elena, you have to go get me a Coke. Really? But if right. my husband says to me, Elena, you have to go get me a Coke, I'm going to say to myself, would Jesus get him a Coke? Or would I get a Coke for, if Jesus was asking me for a Coke, would I go give right. Jesus a Coke? Right. Would I bulk at it? Absolutely not. So it's just a matter of listening to other people. And that's learning. Because when you learn that process with family and friends, you carry mm -hmm. it automatically into a relationship. 
Interesting. So, okay, now that just probed another question in my mind. So, was it something that, as far as this um, being submissive to your husband, and you mentioned a prior relationship, did you grasp the submission part of it um, before you were engaged to your current husband, or did it happen once you were married? Like, oh, how did that girlfriend, <laughs> it did not hit me until I was married for 15 years, 16 okay. years. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I was every week. I wanted a divorce every okay. single week. I was planning and plotting my escape. I had my oh, wow. water jug filling it up with my change and it was my runaway money. Oh my gosh. Oh, I right. had no idea. I was a woman of God that wanted a divorce. Okay. I, okay. I, because I could not understand the word submission and I would argue mm -hmm. with my pastor. I would argue with my pastor's mm. wife and say, I am not go. submissive. Right. And then okay. one day, God just said to me, Elena, you are submissive. I'm not mm -hmm. asking you to bow down to your husband. I'm asking you to honor me. Yeah. And when you honor me as your That's husband good... being the head of the household, your life will change. And oh my word, did it change? Because my husband watching that behavior in me changed you. his mm -hmm. behavior towards me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always like to say like the responsibility in the relationship and to God even shifts. Oh, As yeah. It doesn't go to the neck first. It doesn't go to the shoulders. It goes to the head. Mm -hmm. So anything in wrongdoing, hello, buddy, that's you first. So go ahead. Take that's it. That's right. Together. Take that wrong. <laughs> yes. 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 the head first. Mm -hmm. So if that's the route you want us to go as a family, have at it. That's, if God's telling you that, let's roll. Let's see how it works. And if it's totally not, guess what? That responsibility, that responsibility and that consequence, that falls on you. Wow. And, and so, the other beauty of it is when you let them take the lead of being that husband and it's not what God wants, guess what's going to happen? It's going to fall apart. <laughs> we know that. That's the, that's the secret. <laughs> Yes, that's I don't need a book for the secret. I no, got the that secret. Is, that is the sweet sauce because it's like, you know, you spend so much time trying to prove your point, argue your point, your defense, and you're trying to get all your, you know, the logistics and, and the stats in order of why we shouldn't do it your way. Right. And then at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? What's not of God, it's not going to stand. It's not going to last. It's not, you know, what he doesn't have for us, it's not for us. That's so right. eventually if you stand, it crumbles. So why am I wasting all this energy? And it's almost like that. That question that people use to teeth, but did you die? So if I'm not gonna die from this, my kids aren't gonna die from this, you know what? I give up, there's no fight, let's go your way. And then when it doesn't happen, I'm like, thanks God. <laughs> yep, yep. You know, you can plot and, and plan all you want. If it doesn't want God to do it, doesn't want yeah. it to happen, it's not gonna happen. And God told yeah. me that a long time ago. So yeah. when we were buying our house, I'll, and I'll share this real quick, it was really funny because I was, we were looking at houses. It was in the thrust of 2004. Every house on the market was going within 24 hours. It was just boom, yes. boom, boom, gone, gone, gone. Perfect. And we were two hours away from where we were moving. God showed me a house and said, Alina, this is where you're going to live. And I says, oh no, it's not. Every other house that went off the market, literally they would go on and within 24 hours, it was gone. Mm -hmm. Our house stayed on the market 76 days. <laughs> Guess wow. what house I'm waiting for you to finally say, fine, okay. Okay, <laughs> Lord, it's mine. We even went back to look at another house and the toilet flooded when we were there. 
I was like, this house has plumbing problems. I guess we're moving to Locust Grove. Oh my goodness. God had that plan for our house, but it was really great because God revealed to us why, or he revealed to me why we ended up in this, this house in this county at this time. Oh and it my. was such an amazing story. And that, that'll actually be one of my other stories one of these days. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so you had also mentioned, and I know from reading the prior revision that you talk about direct sales as part of some you, a love relationship you have too. So tell us a little bit about how you got into direct sales. Are you still into direct sales? What's the relationship there? <sighs> oh gosh, direct sales is my passion. Okay. Uh, I have been in direct sales for 20 years. I started it actually 35 years ago. I was a stay-at-home mom, a brand new baby, teenage mom, and I dabbled in it a little bit, experienced some non-sufficient fund checks from people and said, okay, this is right. not for me. Okay, back right. to our first marriage. We didn't have the money for non-sufficient funds, let alone for me to tell my right. husband I did. Well, right. fast forward 15 years later, 20, well, 15 years later, I left my corporate America job became a business owner. And then uh, shortly after that, I married my husband now. Okay. And I had shunned every direct sales party that had crossed my path. I absolutely, mm -hmm. I'm not going. I, I even went as far as insulting the commander's wife and my husband's boss's wife. Yes, I did. <laughs> I sent her a scathing email. <laughs> about direct Not sales and how I felt about them. <laughs> well, then I found a candle that I fell in love with and I ended up in selling candles. I was mm -hmm. with that company for two years and then I found another company and I have been with this company since 2002. And I actually, I have a very small team now. I had a very large team. I resigned so I could roll right. my team up because I didn't want a leadership role anymore. And now I work in the financial industry. So it's hard for me to build a team. The company does not allow that. And I'm content with that because I just love the product. And I, but I still sell for people that want it. And I do craft shows. So my passion is direct sales. I know how it can change a person's life. I was a stay-at-home mom and I, I really wanted some extra money that was for me. We didn't have the budget right. for me to just go shop. Like I love to shop. I, right. Amazon is my best friend, right? <laughs> Second best friend next to my husband. And right. um, so I, with that, I ended up in direct sales. So I love it. And it's, it can change your life as long as you look at it like a job. You get mm -hmm. up in the morning and you get dressed to go to the office, but your office is your computer. And mm -hmm. when you look at it as you're building a resume and you're looking at it as a leadership role, direct sales will change your life. So yes, mm -hmm. I am very passionate about direct sales. Cool. And so if you were to coach someone through any direct sales company, what would you say is the number one piece of coaching advice you would give them? Um, uh, not necessarily a strategy, but what's like step number one, no matter what company, what's step number one in your project crop? You don't go to work in your pajamas. That is the absolute most important thing. You have to look at um, direct sales as a job. Mm -hmm. I want it on your resume. I want you to go and update your resume when you are a direct seller and tell me exactly what you're doing in your daily job. You have mm -hmm. to look at it. If you went to an office job every day and you decided that you were not going to do anything for the day but expect to be paid for it, you would get fired. Okay. Right. 
you have to look at direct sales as an income, that that is an hourly job. You're making a salary. You're not a steady salary, a salary. It's basically an hourly. And you have to make sure that you are getting dressed for the role. If you're not getting dressed for the role, then you are missing the most critical piece. It doesn't never go to work in your pajamas. <laughs> that's just interesting. That's number one. Interesting. Because, because it, it's not even necessarily, well, it is necessarily the pajama because we're physical type people, but it really is the mindset behind yes. being not in your pajamas and being ready for work as mm -hmm. we had the expectation as a kid. Like, this is how you come to work. This is how you present yourself for an interview. It's the very same way of not being so lazy and content with, oh, well, they didn't respond to me. Never mind. But it's like, no, here you are. Your boss is walking behind your back. You better act like you're working. It's, right. it's that whole component and that mindset, mm -hmm. like you said. If you don't show up, if you don't produce, you end up getting fired. Right. So you can't go into direct sales thinking that you can't do the work. Direct sales is hard work. It but is. It's rewarding when you work hard. Eventually, the rewards do come. And I think for some people, they think they can go in it and in 15 days, boom, bada bang. That's the exception. The rule is tenacity, the grit, the staying with it, the doing the work that actually gets you there. Here's my second or my third question topic that um, I even deal with when I'm coaching clients through business is they either A, started in direct sales and then realize A, for insurance purposes or whatever, that they have to go back into corporate or something. How did you segue back into corporate and how did you deal with, and I, you know, I know you're still kind of in it, but how did you deal with the self-confidence sometimes blows that comes with, oh my gosh, I'm back in this job when I said I would never come back and those type of things. So how do you deal with that? Okay. Well, for me, I was ready to come back into corporate America. And the reason why I had a life-changing experience and during that mm. life-changing experience, I realized that if in the event that something happened to me that I had not set up a life legacy for my children. And mm. that, yes, uh, when you are in a coma and you're on, on life support and they're for me, I, unfortunately, because I don't have to work, my husband, he can provide for our family. And because I don't have to work, I just never cared about setting up anything for me. But when I sat there, and I said, what if the tables were turned and this was my husband? Would I be able to stay in my home? Would I be able to take care of my family? Would I be able to help my grandchildren if they wanted to go to college or have anything special? And I was, no, because mm -hmm. mine was the fun money. I earned the trips. I earned the jewelry. Gotcha. I earned the, the coach purses and everything else. But I didn't save. I, I had fun. His money was the income. Mine was the fun. Now I look at things very differently. Life insurance is very important. You want to have a legacy for your children that they mm -hmm. is in the event that something's happened, that there is no GoFundMe account set up to bury me <laughs> or anybody else in your family Hello. for that matter. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't yes. know how many people, yes. I know many people, let's put it this way, that has had to do GoFundMe accounts to bury family members and nobody should have to do that so that's why i went back into corporate america because i wanted to be able to help my family and that if something happened that there was something for them there was a retirement there was health insurance well not so much health insurance because we have that but life insurance i wanted to know that my grandchildren had life insurance 
it is a very small minimal amount to insure children. And uh -huh, uh -huh. people don't, they think it's a lot of money. It's less than a, four cups of coffee at Starbucks a month. Right, right. So that's how I make yeah. the transition. Yeah, and I think too, it, it comes from that thought process of being invincible. It's not gonna happen to me, or I'm healthy, or I'm this, or I'm that. We have all the excuses in the world instead of just being prepared, right? And so I think that's also too one of the lessons I've even learned from direct sales myself is that yes, it can be your fund money, but with your fund money, there should be some splits. There's some savings that are happening. There's tithing that are happening. Then there's fund money after you kind of have, and you pay yourself back. You need the return on your investment, right? Because there's times when, mm -hmm. and I even coach my clients, there's times when there's a, a, a down moment. Do you have two months, three months saved for those months that are just slow? Because kids are, you know, parents are focusing on back to school. So they're not buying from you right now. Candles aren't essential right now. Like there's things that you have to do to set yourself up for right. the oops moments, but also to just be prepared. And then we also do need to have our hands in more than one pot. Yeah. So I love the fact that you are still able to go back to corporate as your personal decision, but then also still be able to do the direct sales, how it sees fit for you. It's not a one and or all, right? Yeah, not it's, at all. You cookie put it anyway that works for you, but being smart about your future and like you said, your legacy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's important. I mean, you, people have to plan and you don't know, you really don't know what's going to happen day by day. So it's pretty yeah. scary when you Absolutely. think about it. Absolutely. Okay. So aside from the financial rewards, I know there are some also tangible character building rewards with direct, direct sales and kind of working your own business. Mm -hmm. Um, give me one character trait that you have, um, enhanced since being in the direct sales world leadership leadership in itself is huge in direct sales so many people come in with the attitude my upline has to help me mm -hmm. i want my upline i have an upline she should be there and she should show me how to do my business absolutely not you have to take responsibility for your own business so the and what you gain from that is leadership you learn how to speak properly to people and you learn how to listen because you develop systems in your mind on how to mm -hmm. gain the sale just by listening to the people that you're talking to because they will tell you exactly what they want when you yes. listen. Yes. But the leadership yes. part of it was probably the most important because I gained my self-confidence. I did not realize that I was a leader. I mean, I knew that I could lead but I didn't know how powerful of a leader that I could be just by influencing other people to That's watch awesome. me on what I'm doing, follow my role. And then when you follow a plan that actually works, you're going to thrive and it's not hard to do. Here's the simple right. tools. So through all that, that's probably the biggest thing that I had learned overall was my leadership. Perfect. I love that. And then that transcends to all different areas of oh, our lives. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So when you're not um, working in corporate, when you're not working on your direct sales, what do you do for fun? What are you doing in your downtime? Well, there's a couple. <laughs> um, I spend a lot of time with my church. I'm involved in a lot of volunteer community projects and we do a community outreach where we do essentially a yard sale, but we give everything away for free. 
We do that once a year. Mm -hmm. That's one of my passions is helping mm -hmm. serving other people. I also love genealogy. Oh my gosh. I could dive mm -hmm. hours into genealogy and, and I don't talk to dead people, but I want to know about my dead relatives and what they do. Right. I've hit a stop okay. with it. And, but that's, I really and truly enjoy genealogy and just learning the history of my family. And I would probably say the other thing that I really enjoy doing is, oh gosh, it escaped me as quickly as it came. I guess I don't enjoy it as much as I thought. <laughs> spending time with my grandchildren would probably be the other thing. Yes. I, I love spending time with my children and my grandchildren. And soon we will have, a, a when my daughter gets married, um, Tyler has a daughter. So we have our fourth oh, daughter. And I, I just, I love just spending time with my grandchildren and my grandson races, uh, he go-kart races and my granddaughter uh -huh. too. And so just, that's just the fun piece of life. So yeah. Yeah. The family component. Cool. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's your number one search on your Amazon account? What's the number one thing you're shopping for? Shoes. Shoes. <laughs> And shoes. I am a shoe person. Shoes and clothes. Okay. Love, love, love. And then I would have to say books. I, I buy a lot of books and I have a lot of unread yes. books. But shoes, I have more shoes than I know what to do with. So where did that passion for shoes come from? Because I remember a time where I didn't even buy shoes for myself. My husband would say, you have to buy a pair of shoes. It's okay. Go ahead, buy two of the same color because you don't buy shoes for yourself. That has somewhere changed along the line because now I've got two chests full of shoes in my <laughs> I don't know what happened, what kicked in, but I love shoes. That's so funny. That's like my mom and she loves shopping too. And she loves shopping her ministry because it's never a time. Like she does shop for herself, obviously, but when she's out and about, she's thinking of someone in mm -hmm. mind or eventually what she did got give or bought, she's giving it to someone else. She's like, shopping's my ministry. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, there you go. I, I think <laughs> I'm going to own that word too. I'm going to just tell my yes. husband shopping is a ministry to me. Yes. <laughs> It's self-care, it's self-love, for, and then it's giving love to other people as you donate or give them to them as well. So I get it, you have. So the second other question, second other question, oh my gosh, the question that next that I have for you is I personally know you've written and contributed in some other books. Can you, um, you can share those titles and then you can share, I would say, what's the number one experience that you've learned from writing in those books that helps you as an author? Okay. Uh, well, my very first book that I put out was Driven. It was an anthology with the wonderful people. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so that was my first was one. one. Yes, that was my first one. Actually, I have been a writer for several years. I write for the newspaper, <laughs> our local newspaper, and I am writing my own book. Uh, but I, my very first book was in Driven, my, my published one. And well, Okay, book, yes. Magazines, I've been in several yeah. magazines. I've had several publications, so several interviews. Yeah. So to jump okay. back, the second book was out of my comfort zone, and yeah. I enjoyed writing in that book as well. My third one is with you, and then I'm working on my fourth and fifth book. Uh, the fourth one is called Dust of Salvation, and that Good. is stories of uh, women that have that experience a life-changing, something life-changing for them that drew them mm -hmm. to God. 
that changed their life. They had no idea who God was, but I like for my, and I'll give it just a little tip of my story. I was a very young mom. I was a teenage mom and I didn't let that hold me back from pursuing life. I had two choices. I could have either stayed on welfare after I divorced my first husband or I could Mm -hmm. go work. And I chose to go work when I could, when my son started kindergarten. And from that, I was divorced 16 years with the idea that I would never remarry. I remember saying, my baby raising days are over. I am never getting married again. Right. So, and that's Dust to Salvation. And then I'm also working on another book on, uh, there's, there's five goals that God has for us. And it's all clearly put in the Bible on how to set our goals and achieve them. And he has it all laid out for us in the Bible. And I have, I, I'm compiling that together to put that into a full um, novel, a full book. Yay! Working on that. Exciting. Good stuff. I cannot wait to hear about it all. That's good. I like that topic. Perfect. And so what would you say is your number one lesson learned thus far as an author? Uh, lesson learned is patience. And that is the key. It's just being patient. Just because you, uh, just because you finished it, doesn't mean that everybody else has to respond as quickly as you respond. So right. for me, it was my very first time, and because I had two anthologies going on at the same time, the same time. and right. it was just the patience of waiting and knowing that there is a process. And so, and it was the power of being able to share a story and knowing that you can fully impact somebody and change their life because that everybody has a story to tell and everybody loves to talk about themselves. It's how you share that story. Yeah. It's made a huge impact. Yes, It really has. All right. So is there one thing, one thing that you want us to know about you that we can't look up, we can't get from your writings. What would that one thing be? Oh, what would that one thing be? That every, my favorite line in life is everybody has a heart. Okay. And they're born with a beating heart and they die with a beating heart because that last heartbeat is the end of their life. But every person that is born with a beating heart deserves to have respect. And I serve on a board for a ministry for returning citizens. And I have never been affected by incarceration, nor has anybody in my family been affected by it. But it's knowing that every person out there, it doesn't matter what crime they've committed, it doesn't matter where they were at in their life at that moment, everybody deserves a second chance because they have a beating heart. Mm. And to me, if I can have more respect for Mm -hmm. a person of that is doing something that I morally disagree with, why can't I respect that person that is coming out of prison or coming out of jail because they made a mistake at that moment? I have, I've committed some of those same mistakes. The difference is I wasn't caught. That's true. I, how many drinks have I had over my lifetime and then gotten the wheel behind the wheel of a car? Mm-hmm. and? Heck, I can almost remember a time that I almost did get behind the wheel of a car and I walked into a truck first. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> the, the people that drove me home were worse than I was, but they drove me right. home and didn't kill my son right. and I. <laughs> so, right, right. But wow. I didn't, if I had driven that night, I would have either a, right. killed somebody or right. I would have wrecked my vehicle. Right, right. It hurt my son. So, right. Perspective. Yeah, that's a lot of people don't know that I serve on this board um, outside. And I just, and I, it's the reminder everybody has a beat, beating heart. And it doesn't matter what their story is. Their heart still beats. I love that. I love that. And that just puts everyone back into the same playing field. Yes. We want to thank you for listening. Elena and I had so much fun speaking with one another. So don't forget, you need to check out the rest of her story in the Beauty in My Mess Volume 2. Pre-orders are ready now. Log into the website, www.thebeautymymess.com, and check it out. We'll be back.